You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today we have Cameron Britt returning to Max's Island. Welcome back to the island, Cameron. Thanks for having me, Tony. Now, listeners may recall, when Cam was last on the island, he'd been CEO of the South Fremantle Footy Club for nearly nine months, but had not yet resided over one single game. But between now and back then, he has been on an incredible ride that culminated with a Premiership Cup. Now, I'm going to indulge here because I can on Max's Island, because I own the island, because I also had the pleasure of being part of this ride, attending all but one of the home games down here at Fremantle Oval and being here on that famous day in October when we won the Cup. But anyway, Cam, let's go back to that day when it changed, when the season finally started. Yeah, so you're spot on, Tony. Uh, when we last spoke, I think I hadn't presided over a game of football, though I've now presided over, I think, 11, and uh, 10 of those are, are wins, which is terrific. So I'm liking my uh, Bradman-esque... Uh, <laughs> average. <laughs> average, yes. But yeah, when we, when we last spoke, uh, it was just prior, I think, to the Ju- July 18 commencement of the season uh, after a after a long COVID imposed or interrupted delay, and uh, we went on to play East Fremantle in a traditional derby here at Fremantle Community Bank Oval, and it was a very big day for our football club. I think about a 95 point victory, uh, if my memory serves me correct, and more than 4,000 uh, footy fans, local footy fans, turned out. And if you're a South Fremantle person, it was a, it was a memorable, I guess, restart or, or relaunch of our 2020 season. You would have been pretty pleased with a, a crowd of that size. But also, I must admit, I was here on the day and the atmosphere was, was pretty palpable. I think everybody, all us footy fans, were footy starved. And to be here and be so close to the action uh, was pretty exciting. It was, yeah. And look, the footy fans, you know, South Fremantle, East Fremantle, I think even just general you know neutral fans I think really supported the game and got behind it and and you're spot on we had been starved of, of football content 
and uh, you know we were we were agonisingly close to starting the season around March, uh, leading into April, prior to you know COVID hitting WA in its full force, and then the season being postponed as we know. So that was taken away from everyone, and it probably only just built up uh, even more you know demand cravings for for footy and. We were fortunate as a football club here that we were able to probably have the marquee start to the waffle season with a traditional derby and, you know, a, a really decent crowd and, and, yeah, just a lot of love for being able to get out of your home and, and, you know, stand on the fence or stand in the bar and barrack. So the season was only seven games before the finals. What was the intensity like? Again, because we were, uh, well, the supporters were, were starved, but also the, the club and the players were obviously hanging out to play. So a normal season, 21 games, having only seven. What was the intensity like throughout those seven weeks? Yeah, it was high, high intensity, really. And I guess speaking from my personal experience, uh, being my first season, I didn't really have a, a template for what to expect or, or how to operate. And, and I guess no one did on a COVID-interrupted season, such a compressed version of a, of a football season and the fixture but uh, it, it was probably not large volume or quantity of games as you say usually you know circa 20 and this was this was nine rounds eight games uh, in terms of home and away but it was uh, it, it was very busy and particularly with I guess some some new management at our football club uh, under my leadership and, and with the support of, of Marty Atkins a seasoned football person and games record holder here, we also brought a lot of change and innovation to the club. So that, that was probably overlaid with everything that else that was happening in terms of you know disruption, impediments from, from COVID and, and restrictions. So probably all that was all mixed in a pot and we had to you know work out how best to deliver a season with some additional pressure of it being our 120th year. So there was so much fan expectation and a lot of events we had to rule the line through uh, and naturally because of COVID restrictions and, uh, and other reasons related. But, you know, we were just really steadfast and determined to ensure that when we could get some football content away, we just wanted to give everyone a really good experience. And you also had the added expectation and the added pressure that you hit a high watermark for members. We did, yeah. That that's a great outcome from this year, and 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 certainly in in some part, I think linked to the fact that again, you know, something that's really important to people, and special in terms of you know their their football club and supporting football and getting out and barracking and you know having a beer and eating a pie and all those all those great traditions, because that was momentarily taken away. I think a large section of South Fremantle supporters probably realised that they'd lost some connection with, with their club and something they love. And we were really fortunate to have a 20-year membership record this year. So we, we probably we signed off October 31, our financial year, and that's the end of our membership period. But I think we were probably around 2,400, 2,500 members, which would, would be nearly 1,000 more members um, when we finalised the year more than 2019, which in itself was a, a very successful year in a grand final season. So we uh, had huge support and huge loyalty and I guess generosity and commitment from, from South's people who I guess maybe came back to the club after a period of time away or some long-term fans slash supporters actually became bona fide members and had a financial stake in the club. Well, I've got to declare I was one of those long-time supporters, first-time members, so, and uh, my experience was outstanding. 
the season got off to a really good start and then it continued. So you had a bit of a, a steamroll effect happening where the club kept winning games. We did, yeah, definitely um, momentum. And, and I recall I did an interview at that first game at the Derby and I spoke about the importance of early wins and early victories in a short season. So you had to find form and find it quickly. And, and again, not to, to lay into our friends at East Fremantle too much, but that game showed that we were ready to go and we were fit and we'd done effectively an eight or nine month pre-season. So the players were just hungry for a contest. So we got through the season. We knocked off Subi and knocked off Claremont in the, um, during the course of the season. Got to the last game, though. A little bit of a hiccup there, though. There was, yeah. Look, um, it, it was a funny being at the game and, and being around some Perth supporters. I was fortunate to have uh, to be in some hospitality of theirs that it really was, I guess, a, a fairy tale for, for Perth fans. I think the first time their club had, had qualified for finals in it's either 22 or 23 years yonks ages and uh and you know this romantic notion of you know is this the year is this the year and they'd become uh sorry they'd come close i believe several times in recent years but it had almost fallen over right on at the last hurdle being the last game but no they were very very good we couldn't uh, match them that game out at uh, Lath Lane on a twilight Saturday evening and I felt like in the last quarter they had 23 years of 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 pressure and expectation just sort of pushing them through and, and they were terrific and we could hardly touch the ball in the last quarter. Their, their will for the contest and to fall over the line and, and when the siren went, uh, there was just some wild scenes. People jumped the fences and, and ran out and uh, look, it was a great day for Perth but they lasted one more week uh, in the finals and, and we, I think, lasted three. So that's the way it goes. So when we get to the final series, there was a little bit of added pressure that came on your shoulders when Fremantle Oval was given all three finals weekends. What did that mean to you? What did it mean to the club? And what did it mean to our players as well? Yeah, well, the, the first two final weekends, uh, you know, theoretically... Uh, uh, were ours and were earned through finishing atop the ladder of the minor premier. So we earned the right to host the first semi-final uh, at the at Fremantle Community Bank Oval. And and as we saw and as it played out, if we had a, uh, a pickle there, we would also play as we did a preliminary final at Fremantle Community Bank Oval. And that, and that was purely the, the rights uh, awarded to us as the, the minor premier. But yeah, the, the, the really unique one is, is certainly the grand final venue being here at Fremantle Oval as well, which is very unusual, uh, unconventional. And in fact, the last time a grand final was played here was 110 years ago in 1910. But we earned the right um, through a competitive bid process. We were one of three venues involved in, in that process to actually be, um, be awarded the right to host the Waffle Grand Final, regardless of if we were playing in it or not. And, and sort of that's where this real fairy tale certainly didn't start. I think it started July 18 against East Fremantle, but where it really, um, it, it really started to, I guess, get some notoriety that uh, there was the great possibility that if we were good enough, we would play a grand final on our home ground, which would be a waffle grand final, and, and we could possibly be good enough to win it. And we were bringing in some, I keep saying we... Well, why not? I'm happy with that. <laughs> we were bringing in some scars from the year before. Um, you talk about Perth, 22, 23 years without playing finals. 
our pain had been a little shorter than that. One year where we really got beaten fairly convincingly in the last game of the year in 2019 in the grand final of Subi. So we did have some, some demons to, um, to get rid of and a few things to prove. So the day was quite incredible. And perhaps you can just give us the lead up in terms of the restrictions that were put on the ground, on access to the ground and how the event was going to play out from a COVID safety point of view. But then also overlay the, the fact that there were you know three grand finals um, and three Premiership Cups, one on the day, the Colts, the Reserves and, and the League. Yeah, look, and it's a really good point, Tony, because... Yeah, I mean that that grand final day, as you rightly state, was delivered under under COVID restrictions. So, like we are still today, phase four restrictions. So, there was a Herculean effort and enormous amount of planning, really, to to pull together the grand final. You know, regardless of who was playing or, or where it was. And again, we were just very fortunate that we were in it from a league perspective, and uh, and it was played here at Fremantle. But Huge amount of planning. Ourselves, as South Fremantle Football Club, the City of Fremantle and the West Australian Football Commission really were the, the three main components. And the, the COVID safe planning was, was really extensive and significant as, as, you know, I guess would hope and expect it that it is as community members in WA. But probably all the way up until I think the Thursday before the grant grand final so the Sunday uh, the grand final was the Sunday but all the way up until the Thursday we didn't actually know what our final approved total capacity was going to be so I think late Thursday that was signed off by the chief health officer in WA which ended up being around that 10,000 10 and a half thousand mark thereabouts so the football commission had to release tickets at different intervals as I guess a comfort and approval was was coming through in terms of sign-offs on how many people were allowed in the ground. So it was quite an interesting process and a bit of a delicate one at times to, to observe and, and be a part of, but ultimately it was about all of Fremantle. 10,179 is the official number that made it into the ground and were fortunate to see some footy. There was, there was another high volume of footy fans at... Uh, Esplanade Park where there was a, a live site with a big screen and part of the bid which I think helped this venue and, and Fremantle as a city to, to beat Leaderville and, and West Perth up in Joondalup was that it was very much catering for an experience for all football fans and knowing that it would be a limited capacity under COVID it was like right for every person who wants to come there's another one or two who, who can't physically get in with limited ticketing so how are we catering for them? And I think Fremantle really came alive in terms of venues, you know, eateries, bars, rooftops, and then that live site as well. I was pretty busy on the day, so I was straight here and then sort of stayed here all day and into the night. But for those who were able to get out into the city, apparently it was just a sea of football colours and it was and it was just a, a sight to behold and you really felt that, you know, Waffle was uh, back on its two feet. Yeah, look, the fact that, the Fremantle Council was so supportive and provided this city-wide atmosphere, not just at the ground and facilities. And, you know, one very simple thing, maybe small, but it's really important, was that the overflow parking, you know, over at Fremantle Park, well-priced, well-organised, easy to get in, easy to get out, made the experience so much more pleasurable. And, and um, so little things like that are important. And, and if 
the City of Fremantle and South Mountain Footy Club and the Commission can get it together. It'll be great to have this as a venue for future finals. Yeah, certainly I, uh, I subscribe to that view. I think, and clearly I'm a biased uh, view at that, but from chatting to you know more neutral uh, opinions and even some who were probably a little bit in opposition to the concept prior to experiencing it, prior to experiencing it, sorry, I think we definitely converted a few over and I was trying to read uh, as much post-match opinion and commentary as I could just to get a bit of a flavour in and amongst all the hysteria and celebrations that I was involved in, which was a lot of fun. But I, I really think we got it right and, and the concept proved itself to be workable and one that the community really appeals to or appealed to. So you never say never. You know, we could be back here next year doing it all again. I'm not sure. I know Optus Stadium's the, the, the premium and the premier venue, but if they're effectively going to be completely cost prohibitive as a venue, then the, the community model has to work. And one of the lasting impressions I got from this very unusual COVID year is that football fans, to some extent, I think they really you know, won their game back in a sense. It, it, it returned to community and that sense of connection and, and community feel seemed really evident everywhere we went. I would totally agree. I was out in the crowd for all afternoon and really felt that community nature. Interestingly, on social media, I noted a West Australian football commentator who now resides in the Itza State. I won't name who they are. Might happen to be an East Romano supporter, but that's beside the, beside the side. They made a comment about it would have been great to have been at Optus because that's the premier venue notwithstanding the cost prohibitiveness of it, but from a purist point of view of, you know, you play the best game at the best stadium and, you know, in the best facilities. The one thing that that, for me, felt like, that that would have provided a product that was trying to be an AFL product and could never be. What happened in the grand final down here and that whole day was it was a waffle product that was a perfect waffle product. We played to the strengths of as you say, the waffle community, the general football community and just people who are interested in local sporting events. And that was the difference and you had to be there to understand that. So this commentator making comments from afar totally understand the rationale but wasn't here to feel what it was like on the day. And I think that was um, the thing that those 10,100-odd people who left the ground would have all said the same thing. Whether they were winners or losers, they would have said... That was an experience, a waffle experience, that was something that I could remember for a long time and hopefully I have the opportunity to um, experience again. Yeah, it looks very well well put, Tony, and I totally agree. In, uh, I guess in the weeks now since the grand final, I've had various sort of debrief meetings and, and even just informal conversations with some of the hierarchy at both the City of Fremantle and the West Australian Football Commission and we certainly all... I guess recognise that we carried a bit of risk with this concept and we were a bit exposed because if it, if it didn't work, uh, you know, I think the critics were just waiting for us, laying in wait. And, and if it didn't work in particular, I guess we, we wouldn't see it again or maybe perhaps in our lifetime just because it, be, it would be on the cutting room floor. So none of us wanted to sort of show that strain on our face and, you know, leading up and doing media about the game, but it was, it was definitely parked somewhere there for us. But... Again, I guess the relief and 
from a South Fremantle perspective, clearly when the siren goes and you know we're three points up and we win a first premiership in eleven years and our fourteenth in our history, but 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 probably beyond that, dare I say, just the fact that it worked and it was an enjoyable experience, I'm sure for the vast majority. And it was seen, you know, as a crazy concept that, hey, this might just have some merit going forward. That for me was was really pleasing and I was just so impressed the way that everyone worked to to pull it together. You've just got to the end of the game. That moment from a supporter's point of view, as you can imagine, was the pinnacle. Um, great moment for me. I was with my son, my mates, and all South Randall supporters, so it was a, a fantastic outcome for us. How did you go in the last 10 minutes of the game? It was always tight. We did get 10 or 9 points up um, with a few minutes to go, where Jimmy Miller kicked that sensational goal. Uh, the wind did a fair bit of work on it, and um, it, was, it was a great result. But how did you go for the last 10 minutes of the game? Well, I have been asked that previously and uh, a similar similar response I'll give that I was pretty ordinary company, if I'm, if I'm honest. I was a wreck. I couldn't sit down. I was standing up and pacing at the back of our, of our function seating area and um, a couple of people, to their credit, you know, came up and said, you know, we'll be okay, they'll hang on, but I think I can just almost remember them in my periphery speaking but me not certainly taking in or absorbing and uh yeah and I felt like my heart was pumping out of my chest and and this is the amazing thing about football because yes I am the CEO of this organization but I've been here 12 months a lot of people have been here 50 60 years players have been here 10 and and never you know never won a, a grand final so I think just the 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 range and raft of emotions that everyone would have felt would be sort of almost entirely personal to them but for myself I felt a lot of pressure and um, absolute joy you know when the siren went sheer terror for a few moments prior to that when the ball was deep in Claremont forward line but we just we just did enough we had so much courage and once again that that man who may not look like a Rolls Royce but Brock Higgins um, second contested ball up in their Ford 50 just plucked it out of the air I think kicked it off his left shin I'll, I'll give him credit say it was off his boot and it just went forward and it just it just cleared that congestion and, and allowed the play to open up and then we could you know there was a couple more moments and we hung on but really relief is probably the word relief that it all came together and there was a big outpouring of emotion from me I just felt like all this pent-up nervous energy just escaped my body when the siren went the other interesting thing that happened after the siren went and the players embraced, the crowd rushed the field. And again, it was a very safe environment that was full of joy, full of happiness, and people were really experiencing the moment. And again, that, that, that wouldn't have happened at, at Optus Oval. And it was something that obviously wasn't uh, planned, but it was spontaneous, and it worked out perfectly. It did, yeah, and look, it, added, it definitely added to that fairy tale or the you know the great drama in a in a grand final when the siren goes and a few people have asked me you know what happened there and I can probably put on the record what was meant to happen so there was certainly approval for fans to go on the oval and have a kick after the game uh, but there was a second siren eight minutes after the first which was to be blown which would signify that it was safe for the public to enter the playing arena and I guess players would be off and, and the rest but 
I think it took probably 0.8 of a second for the first person to jump the fence and and then away you go and and look everyone's safe and well and there was there was no funny business and and you're right it did add to the theater and the emotion and it was just brilliant but it you know all the COVID safe planning and event planning in the world can't really stop that that uh, excitement and energy so one final thing of the day that brought a smile to my face was finding you in the club club rooms after the game going up to you giving you a bit of a hug and saying the curse is finished so you may recall listeners of Max's Island in the last episode we talked about Cam's four years at the Wanneroo Basketball Club and the experience of grand finals of not winning one in four years so for you that would have been a little bit of personal pressure that was on you that um it would have been nice to have got that monkey off your back. Yeah, it, it certainly was, Tony. So in my four years at the June Lap Wolves, Wanneroo Basketball as CEO, so we lost a men's and women's state league grand final in 2016, then a men's in 17, 18 and 19. I quickly went to my first commitment as a South Fremantle employee where we were pumped by Subiaco in the 2019 Waffle Grand Final. So... I was starting to think it was all me, but uh, you're right, the curse is lifted, got the monkey off the back, and now you start to dream about how many more are out there that we could get our hands on. So no doubt the hope is up for next year. Uh, I won't ask you for any inside information about recruits, although today it was announced on social media that Cam McCarthy has signed a two-year deal to be at the club, and that'll be um, fantastic to strengthen up our spine and our flexibility. Certainly, yeah, big big announcement for us today and a big announcement, I think, for the football industry. Cam's a South boy, so in, in some respects he's returning home and you know, we talk about being the Premier Family Club and we've put our arms around Cam as one of the family members per se, but I think everyone knows his talent and capability. So if he can get himself right and back playing with friends and perhaps, uh, I guess, less pressure than uh, at that AFL stage, we think Cam can have a huge impact at waffle level and... And um, it's just a matter of where on the ground would we think he's best served. He could probably play 18 positions. Cam, you're dead right. And let's hope that um, he does have a successful season and the club goes from strength to strength and plays off in the grand final next year. Look, thanks again for being on Max's Island. It was really important to get you back because this journey of only three or four months has been an absolute roller coaster. It's been at breakneck speed. And for you, it's been a great success. So well done personally on what you've achieved in that time. And I must admit, the times that I was down at the club, things ran smoothly. There was great atmosphere. People were really enjoying themselves. So the club can be very proud of what it did at, at, in, in very trying times. I appreciate that, Tony. I really do and, and, and love the opportunity to have a chat. And uh, yes, it's been, it's been a, a wild ride and... and Personally, for me, for me, the greatest you know year of my career, certainly the most unforgettable with everything that happened. But I'm only part of a, a, a small team here, and really proud of what everyone's done. And you know, we're a very resilient bunch. And in some respects, we got some reward on Sunday, October four. So that's a, a memory and a moment that will that will live with me forever. Well, thanks again for being on Max's Island. Thanks very much. On the way home from work, he was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, oh, work a 
original play and how how it had turned out this way he told me his plan a short-term escape five weeks on the bible and track go it alone no one to blame if he finished or fell by the Phone and 